there's a UK professor. His name is Michael Sweet. He's a molecular ecologist at the uh, University of Derby. Okay. He's got a theory that what people are seeing isn't like the head of a monster coming up from the water. He believes it's whale penises. <laughs> Have you come across this man? Uh, a whale penis? No, not me personally, but. <laughs> everybody welcome back to wicked garden podcast i am your host mike and on tonight's show we have a new show where we're going to cover several topics and before we get into that let's do a little bit of business if you are a experiencer of a haunt a ufo sighting a cryptid sighting we'd love to hear from you please get together with us you can email us at wicked garden podcast at gmail.com you can also get together with us on twitter i am at garden wicket and if you would like to talk to Garrett, he is at underscore Moblin, M-O-B-L-I-N. Uh, Garrett joins the uh, social media world. So wanted to talk a little bit about our last show, which was the Jeanette De Palma episode. Got a lot of good feedback on that. Thanks, everybody, for getting back together with us. Thanks for the kind reviews. Really appreciate that. Uh, if you would like to support the show, the best way you can do it is review it. Give us a five-star review uh, on your podcast platform, if you can. And also, if you would like to support us via Patreon, that would be fantastic. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, you can support us and you get extra uh, content over there. We do shows, uh, full shows over there. We do uh, some of our EVP clips and stuff like that it's over there. And that's uh, go to Patreon and just look up Wicked Garden and you can join. So uh, let's get into it tonight. Uh, the May Paranormal News Show. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. So it seems the uh, the Palma episode did really well. That was the labor of love episode. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, you know, we wanted to mention again, thank you to Amy Montgomery for supplying that outro song. Uh, we didn't talk about that on the podcast. Her record company uh, helped us out with that. And I think it's a great version of that song. It's really yeah. witchy, really good stuff at the end. Good call by you. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it'd be a contextually kind of match what we were talking about. So 
Yeah. And we're going to do a couple more episodes on some satanic and witchy stuff up there in North Jersey. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about now. We touched on Richard Cross a little bit in that episode. So I wanted to kind of lay that out because we won't be talking about him. We're not going to just, you know, do a special episode on him. But I think in the context of what's going on up there, I think it's important to talk about him. He was born 1845, November 3rd in Liverpool, England. So he moves here to make his uh, fortune after, you know, he graduates school over there. He marries a woman named Matilda Redmond and uh, he's a railroad guy, but he, he gets out of that and he kind of gets into banking. He He's with this Matilda Redmond and she has a baby. And unfortunately, like right after she has a baby, she dies and he actually remarries her sister. Annie Redmond. So they live in Manhattan and he wants to build a nice little summer home, you know, so they could get out of the city. So he acquires 365 acres in Newfoundland, New Jersey, and he has this mansion built for $1.5 million and it's called Bear Fort. Most people know it as Cross Castle. So he's employing an incredible amount of people out there, stonemasons, carpenters, so all these people move out there to help them. And it's just going to be a summer home because that's the kind of money this guy has. 365 acres. Uh, there is a 70-acre pond called Hank's Pond. And there's another lake, too, as well. So the house is kind of U-shaped, and it has a courtyard. And there are 40 bedrooms. Each bedroom has its own individual fireplace, plus all the fireplaces that are in the living areas. So they actually employ 12 people to just continuously cut wood year-round to keep this thing heated. So they start building. Yeah, they start building this thing in 1907. And they don't get done until 1917. And actually, Cross dies in 1919. And the second Redmond, Annie Redmond, she hates going out there. Hates it, right? She wants to be in Manhattan. And he wants to have his summer times out there. And they start having these lavish parties. So one of the things they did there was they would harvest ice off of Hank's Pond. You were really rich if you could serve ice at a party. So every winter, they would do what they call harvesting ice. So what they had to do is they had to build a ice house into the side of the hill and they kind of camouflaged it to make it look like it was part of you know the landscape itself and they had like three feet of sawdust on the floor in there and they would take these huge chunks of ice off of the lake at the uh, height of winter and they would saw them up and they would bring them in stack them up and they would have ice year-round so he's having these lavish parties they were one of the top 400 families in Manhattan, so he's inviting all those people out there. And as he's doing this, he needs people to, like, park their carriages and all that other good stuff. So he's employing some of these workers that are making up his mansion at the same time to help out at the parties and do all that kind of stuff. So word gets around that when they come out there, they don't really attend too many religious ceremonies. They don't go to church. They don't really do anything along those lines. And some of the Parties get really, really out of hand. There's a lot of whiskey served. A lot of stuff goes on. And rumors start coming out about rituals at these parties, and specifically also in this ice house after the parties. So he actually gets investigated at one point by the local authorities uh, because a Polish worker that worked for him that was a stonemason went to the local authorities and said that he saw a ritual sacrifice of a young woman. 
So the authorities investigate. They don't find the woman. They don't find any evidence. Nothing goes on. But, and, and obviously nothing happens to Mr. Cross. But in that two years that he's there, as he's there, his health starts failing miserably. He comes in as a relatively healthy guy. And then as it goes on, those two years when they were really going strong at that place, he just fell apart. Uh, couldn't take the winners up north. And he moved to Miami, Florida. And he actually died in 1919 at the age of 71 down in Miami, Florida. So he dies and he hates the place. So they get out of there. They move to Princeton. They take his money and they, they move to Princeton. And they actually sell Airfort to the city of Newark for like $155,000. So 10% of what it cost them to make it. But the entire time he was there, there was these you know, rumors about rituals, paganism, and, you know, perhaps even Satanism. And that's kind of how that all got started out there. So it's kind of interesting. It's a long ways away from then. You know, we're obviously over a hundred years since then, you know, so there's not a lot of people around that would be eyewitnesses at this point, but it's a really, really creepy, uh, strange story. And that's kind of how some of that lure gets started up there. So I think that's important for the next. I I didn't know much about it myself. Neither did I. I mean, I knew a lot about Clinton Road, but I did not know anything about that. It's going to be interesting when you factor in the other things that we'll be talking about in the next few shows. Yeah, just as a as a brief background on the place, but I mean, you're even thinking about going up there during some like doing some uh, boots on ground stuff, right? Yeah. The problem is the I checked it out. It's like a a water shed area now for uh one of the cities up there because uh, yeah. yeah so and, and that's a big deal here in jersey there's really not a lot of uh fresh water around that's potable so it's all kind of directed to to cities at this point so it's like hands off walking around in there you could still park and walk but the way clinton road is those people put up with so much stuff up there you know <laughs> that yeah. they're always out at night cruising the road looking for somebody pulled over on the side doing something crazy because you know also what happened with Barefoot it was standing there a really long time and then eventually there were supposedly Ku Klux Klan meetings there of course more talk about satanic worship there was a furnace that was not part of Barefoot but that was also on the property this was an old furnace uh, and that was called the Druid Temple because they said there were Druidic rituals out there too as well. But the point is, all that stuff is kind of off. It's it's either burned down and gone now, and what is there is kind of off limits. Yeah, yeah, they got fences around stuff, and even a portion of it is still private property too. So it's not all a watershed area for you know a reservoir area for one of the cities. Most of it is. And that would be those two bodies of water that were there. Now, like I said, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even into the 90s, people would, like, you know, picnic out there and go walk and check it all out. And the last thing to come down were the actual stone walls. But somebody burned, you know, the the wood structure down, so it became a little bit unstable. And then they had to just pull the walls down. I found it interesting that they pulled the walls down. And that they kind of got that past all the historical people. There's a little bit of a write-up about that. Like, it was done hush-hush. So that's interesting. Um, yeah. And it's also interesting how he managed to get that 365 acres to begin with. 
uh, a lot of rumors that he really bribed the hell out of people because they were already looking at that water to supply cities. So, yeah, so it, it was a little bit shady all the way around. So what do you got? First of all, there's been some Loch Ness Monster reports, like, really heating up lately. Uh, there's some drone footage of one that's uh, actually pretty good. I don't know what I'm looking at, but it's something out there. Huh. But uh, that's a pretty good video. You should you should be able to find that relatively easy if you just type in 2022 Loch Ness Monster. Um, I think probably that came out about three weeks ago. Okay. And I think back in February, there was, like, they had another huge sonar hit. And there's been a lot of new theories coming out about the Loch Ness Monster. You you know about one of them. What, what one? The fish. Oh, the oar fish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a really strange fish to begin with. Yes. And they're kind of creepy looking. So I've been to Drum and Drocket. I was, I've been to Loch Ness. I've gone to the yeah, castle. That's why. And it's amazing. Like, I think I've told this story before, but when you're driving, when you're driving in through the Cairngorms mountains and you're coming into Drummond Rocket, which is like the main town where Loch, Loch Ness is, um, when you're coming in, you go across this causeway. Uh, if people are familiar with like the Route 30 causeway here or whatever, um, you know, or some other causeway out to some of the barrier islands here in Jersey, that's kind of what it looks like. And on one side is, you know, one body of water and on the other side is another. So when I went, the first thing I thought to myself was, well, why couldn't something just move (laughs) underneath this road right here? Because I'm talking maybe there's like 75 yards between the two bodies of water. So if there's underground caverns, there absolutely could be something moving out. And Drummond Rock, it's a cute little town. When we went there, um, most of it was uh, closed because we went in on a Sunday, but uh, they have a museum there, and it's a cool little place. We stayed at a uh, campground there and um, went down to the castle. You can go to the castle, and there's a couple boat tours, but it's very apparent when you go there that like it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that there could be some subterranean way that these things are getting in because – you know, you're looking at one body of water on the right-hand side of the road, and then Loch Ness is on on the left-hand side of the road. I mean, and they're, like I said, maybe 75 yards apart, maybe less. Well, it's very interesting you said that because that kind of ties into what I'm going to be talking about. The uh, There's a U.K. professor. His name is Michael Sweet. He's a molecular ecologist at the uh, University of Derby. Okay. He's got a theory that what people are seeing – isn't like the head of a monster coming up from the water. He believes it's whale penises. <laughs> Have you come across this man? Uh, a whale penis? No, not me personally, but. <laughs> but have you come across this in the news? No, I have not read that, but hey, why not? Right? Yeah, I had to laugh myself. Now, first of all, there's not supposed to be any whales in Loch Ness to begin with. Uh, they're just not there. But like I said, like you were just talking about, if they could get, you know, into that lock from the other, you know, source of water, maybe there's something. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe there is some underwater caverns. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, maybe what I could do is find a Google Earth shot of where we stopped because I literally we were driving in and I said to her, "Stop! I got to. I just have to gauge this here." 
And we got out and we looked and I was like, well, wait a minute. That's it's one body of water right there and one body of water here. These are so close, you know? And I, I think too, there was another theory way back when that this thing could actually move on land. And they were thinking maybe it was doing that and crossing the road. Yeah, like crossing over. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, there are, you know, species of amphibians that do that. Yeah, well, right? prehistoric, you know. Right, like, sure. Would they try to, you know, say if it, if it is prehistoric, I mean, there absolutely are mammals in the fossil record that, you know, have the same descriptions as it may not have fins, but some of those, you know, they actually have feet. And legs, you know? Absolutely. And maybe they could just walk over. Yeah. I mean, you know, as evolution goes, uh, you know, things change. Yeah. I mean, some of those, those, you know, paddles that they have on the side of their body or once feet, you know? So, hey, maybe, maybe they still have that ability. I've always yeah. thought, I mean, I've always been kind of lukewarm on Loch Ness. I, I know that sounds insane because I'm so down on Bigfoot, but I'm down on Bigfoot as a physical creature, not a so much as not existing at all. Um, I'm just yeah. down on it as being a physical creature, but I, I think yeah, we're on the same page there. Yeah. I think a lot of Loch Ness sightings are absolutely either hoaxes or misidentification of trees and waves and, and, you know, um, wakes and things of that nature. But mm -hmm. there's just so many of them and the volume is so high. And some of them are just really hard to explain. Uh, there's a couple well, couple three really good sightings yeah well that that video i saw from uh not too long ago like i said about three weeks ago that was drone footage and it's really good man you can see there's something moving through the water quickly and it's got humps so i mean i, I don't know what that could be but I, it's not a lot of remote control yeah and know, they've like always had like i mean they've always had sturgeon in those waters they've always had yeah that. sturgeon does look pretty spooky if you don't yeah. know what you're looking at yeah yeah, and they get big. I mean, they they get really long and huge, you know. Um, yeah, so they've always had that. Uh, now they're talking about these oarfish. Maybe that's what it is. But, yeah, an underground system of caves, I absolutely believe that could be the case. Yeah. Absolutely. No, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I looked, I looked uh, into this whale thing, man, the whale dicks. But <laughs> what it is is... Apparently, it's a natural thing that happens, man. These pods of whales, when they mate, they mate in groups. So it's usually like, you know, three or four male whales, you know, mating with the same female whale. And while the, uh, you know, while the, some of those whales are not busy with the female whale, what they do is they breach. It's called penis breaching. So they literally just... Not going to throw your lifeline like, on this one, yeah, buddy. They, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe this other than they they float back down and they just breach the uh, water with their. So are they saying that somehow whales are getting into the lock and then that's what they're saying? So they're they're saying some. That's the idea. Here. Okay, that's okay. the idea. Now I look. Are they, so are they talking about what type of whale? Um, just whales in general seem to do this. I I don't know. They they didn't speculate. Um, the pictures I seen were blue whales. Okay, so I, I was thinking shit, that they man, were going to say it was a blue whale, but Jesus Christ, if it's a blue whale, I mean, I know the lock gets deep, but I don't know that there's room in a lock yeah. for a blue whale. Yeah. 
Well, even if there was underground cavern systems, the transverse between the two bodies of waters, like I don't think maybe a beluga whale or something like that, but I don't know about. Yeah, and they're so small. You know, a, a blue whale ain't going to be able to do that. God, I saw it. While we're on that, real quick, I got to say, I saw a story about a beluga whale that was held in captivity for the longest time and was around nothing but humans. And they they finally got this thing and let it go. They got it, you know, to the point where they could they felt good letting it go. And I think the NOAA was monitoring sounds from the ocean and started hearing something talking in a human voice. What? <laughs> yes. And they were freaked out, right? So they're they're like running around, they're all freaked out. And here it's this whale who had always been listening to human voices and been trained by humans and all that other good stuff. And like it picked up on it. So it just started to make these sounds and nobody knows how they make the sounds because the other problem is too, they don't have any vocal cords, but yeah, like this was a big deal. Like people were hearing voices in the ocean and we're, you know, in that area. And we're like, why, why are we hearing people? So they started going right to aliens and, you know, USOs and stuff like that. And here it was just this yeah. beluga whale that got released. Well, we have a surprise for animal researchers in California. A captive beluga whale that, get this, sounded like a human. <laughs> Sounds like me singing in the shower. Well, scientists think the whale's close proximity to people allowed it to listen to and mimic human conversation. Dolphins and parrots have been taught to mimic the patterns of human speech, but it's rare for an animal to do it spontaneously. You know, that really did sound like someone pretending to blow on a bugle or something, right? It did. It really did. This is not the first time, too. Apparently, there were some caretakers at the aquarium in Vancouver uh, up in Canada. They say they heard one of the white whales up there actually say it name. One of the uh, caretakers there said the thing actually said his name. And whether you believe that or not, who knows? But hey. But look, at he, he's like moving his mouth. <laughs> they're, they're quite human-like, apparently. Wow. Oh, look go, at that. We'll be doing our jobs one of he these days. Kinda... I doubt it. Whales have way more integrity than the media. Wow. That's, yeah. that's pretty wild, man. I got curious, and I looked up these photos of, you know, the penis breaching. Right. And, like, I'll be damned. It does look like a sea monster. So you were watching whale porn all weekend long, and, dr- and I mean, <laughs> and drinking scotch. Nice. Were you spitting M and M's out of your nose too? <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, but uh, dude, I don't believe any of this. But it's it was definitely it was definitely weird news. So I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they'd like to go into the lake to do all that good stuff, you know, because it's sort of kind of like their own little hot tub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess the problem would be the salt content, right, in in the water. I know, like, um, there's a certain shark that can do it. It can go into fresh water. Matter of fact, it's the shark that um, did all the shenanigans here in Jersey in 1916. Um, I think it's, I want to say it's a bull shark. They can actually yeah. do something to their um, liver to make it make it so that they can they can survive in fresh water. So I guess that would be, you know, an issue too. How long could they survive in fresh water without the salt? So, Man. next thing I want to talk about was uh, this lighthouse that's off the coast in Oregon. That's called Terrible Tilly. 
and you, I think right before we were talking, you were, you were saying that you saw this story too as well. But this lighthouse is hundreds of years old. It's uh, sitting off the coast of Oregon. It's actually a mile out on a, a, a basalt, like, rocky island that's one mile away from the coast. And on it sits this huge lighthouse that was there, you know, for hundreds of years. And eventually what happened was it got abandoned because, you know, you didn't need that many lighthouses anymore for different reasons for, you know, radar on ships and things of that nature. And also light ships were much more of a better idea. You could send a light ship out as opposed to, you know, have people one mile out in the water, you know, plotting to kill each other for months at a time. Right. So eventually this thing shuts down and it's been shut down for quite some time. But it's only a bit, the only way you can get to this thing because of uh, the sea lions that are in the way and some of the other uh, marine life is you have to come in by helicopter. So somebody bought this island back in the 80s. And what she did with it was it was already supposedly haunted. They were already talking about they saw lights out there and they would see figures and all that good stuff. So it was all that lure. She buys it, and she turns it into a, I cannot say this name, uh, Combarian or whatever it is. But anyway, it's where you store urns uh, of ashes. Columbarian? Columbarian? Whatever. (laughs) So she turns it into one of those, and they have about 300 urns out there. So it's already haunted. This lady gets it. And she starts putting these urns out there, right? As opposed to just dumping them in the ocean, they can actually, you know, be in this place and in their little niches. Um, Needless to say, this idea didn't take off that well, but she did manage to get 300 of these urns out there. And she's selling the island for $6.5 million. So you've got to have a helicopter to get out there. Uh, a lot of the sea lions have knocked down the doors to get into the place. And her idea is that somebody could restore this thing and then they could put up to, I think she said 30,000 urns inside this building. So she's actually marketing it to the death industry. Yeah. You would have to, cause you're not going to take the urns out the 300 that are already there. No, right? you can't. Right. Right. And the other, the other sticking sticking point is that she has to renew her license for some strange reason, but she's trying to get $6.5 million for this place. But it's really cool looking. If you guys get a chance, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to this article that I have. Uh, and the island is called Terrible Tilly, and it's the Tillamook Lighthouse. So you can check that out too. Just Google it. Um, pretty cool place. And there were a couple deaths there. One guy was painting it, fell off some scaffolding and he died. Uh, another light keeper got too close to the edge and died like me this weekend. When I went downhill 20 yards and screwed my, uh, hip and my knee up and, oh God. Yeah. I took a good tumble, but yeah, terrible Tilly. It's out there. If you got $6.5 million in extra change, Hey, you get yourself a haunted lighthouse and you could be surrounded by the ashes of, at least 300 dead people. So have at it. All right, cool. So it turns out the paranormal may be investigated now academically because Harvard has a new framework for 
their anthropology program where they're going to be doing just that. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. This came from a Q&A from a student there named Jack Hunter. But uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool, man. That, that may not sound like huge news, but. No, actually uh, it does. It's, yeah. it's pretty big to me. I always wished that, you know, if if I could, uh, well, my degree was in anthropology and archaeology, but, uh, you know, I always kind of thought that the field could do that. And there's four major subdisciplines to anthropology, and that's linguistic, forensic, cultural, and archaeology. Right. But uh, each one of them, each one of those fields, even linguistic, uh, it all touches on the paranormal. With uh, the forensic side, you have all the cryptid stuff that's applied to mainstream, you know, lines of thought as as far as a flesh and blood Bigfoot. You know, there's anthropological evidence you have to look at. Um, Right. That's literally the study of humans and, you know, bipedal apes. So uh, you have that. You have all the religious, ritualistic, and cultural forms in cultural anthropology. And in archaeology, I mean, not that it's a, not that ancient astronaut theories are, you know, prevalent among everything we look at, but it is a thing. I mean, it's the whole field of anthropology, each is, you can definitely look into the paranormal, but it's not, it, it hasn't been done. It hasn't been done. Yeah, uh, there may be some people that you know do some ethnographic work and have to, you know, involve themselves in rituals for certain peoples that they're studying, but um, it's it's just a unique field that is finally the paranormal is getting some like serious attention. Yeah, where it could be studied seriously. I I from saw an academic standpoint. I saw that article, and yeah. I I went immediately and bought that dude's book. Oh yeah, did you? Yes, it's called. Oh, that's awesome. And oh, the unidentified by Colin Dickey. This is that's a awesome. Dick show. We got Whale Dicks and we got Colin Dickey. Yeah, sorry, man. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, but yeah, I saw it and I'm I'm like, man, that's super cool. I actually saw another article too. I don't know if you saw this. Did you see uh, the article the Smithsonian put out about the tablet that they're going to be taking a look at? Um, that is supposedly according to them, 3,500 years old and it's a Babylonian tablet and it may contain the earliest known depiction of a ghost. Really? Yes. So it's, uh, let me read a little bit here. A tablet made in ancient Babylonia around 1500 BCE may be the earliest known depiction of a ghost, a top scholar of ancient Middle Eastern inscriptions argues in a new book the clay tablet is part of a guide to exercising ghosts held in the collections of the british museum so this uh this guy is saying that what he's looking at there and the way he perceives this thing is that it's an actual an actual ghost depicted um 3500 bce so that's pretty cool they're going to yeah, be checking is. that out, and it's actually going to be going on display soon too. So, yeah, now I wasn't tracking anything about that. Yeah, that's yeah, surprising. yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. On these stuff. Yeah, so that's happening. That's another. Yeah, I mean, you got to think. 
uh, probably as long as there's been language there, there have been ghost stories. Sure. Absolutely. So it's, it'd be surprising if they weren't recorded on a tablet of some sort. Absolutely. That's, is that, that's the oldest known you know, depiction of a ghost. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to go see it. Absolutely, yeah. Or, or at least, you know, yeah. pictures of it on the Internet. There's not even pictures on the Internet yet of it. So they'll, they'll be out soon. But, yeah, and actually pictures of a ghost, that leads us into our next story, um, which is a this was a rabbit hole for me this weekend. So you and I had talked about doing some stuff newsworthy wise that, uh, has come up and I'm always looking for good videos. Right. So I found a video and a lot of you people out there might know about it. It's a nanny cam video from Michigan and I'm going to play the news report from it. And then we'll talk a little bit about it. I'm also going to link to this uh, video so that you can see it in the show notes and maybe we'll have a little bit of an interactive part of the show here, but let me play this first for you. What is it? Is it real? And what is it doing there? A family in Highland, Michigan, believes their house is actually haunted and thinks something is harming their little girl. It happened here in this room. As 15-month-old Lily was inside her bed, caught on camera, something walks in front of her crib, catching Lily's attention. Whatever it is, the family says it needs to go. It's almost like she sees something that we don't. It's an image Heather and Josh say is haunting their home. It was uh, chilling. It was literally a chill down your spine, like like that what if factor. Like, is this what I just saw? Caught on the couple's nanny cam video a few weeks ago, what appears to be something moving in front of the baby crib. I freaked out. I stopped what I was doing and I ran upstairs and I grabbed my daughter. Heather says this so-called ghost scratched her daughter Lily and attacked her too. It scares us that it could do something else. I mean, there was even an, a morning that I woke up and I had felt like something was around my, like someone's hands were around my neck. A team of paranormal investigators came in and tried answering some of the couple's questions and concerns. Josh's father, Jim, says it may be someone who lived in this house before. The story that I was told was the gentleman that lived here originally um, committed suicide, apparently, by jumping out this window, uh, which is, of course, one full story down. The couple says they don't know why this so-called ghost is targeting them, but say they don't want any part of it. It's not physically just going after her. It feels like it's going after myself, too. I couldn't get an explanation out of it, you know. So it's freaky, is what it is. For now, Heather and Josh say they will stay inside this place with Lily until they're able to save up enough money and move out. Reporting in Highland Township, I'm Alan Campbell. So there is a couple that live in their mother, his mother and father's carriage house. So this is in a suburb of Detroit, and they live like out in the old carriage house. Um, and it's him, his fiance, and their little daughter, Lily. So they occupy the second floor for their bedroom. They have like a little kitchen. It's a, it's a cute little house, right? So they're living on the same property with, with the uh, parents. The first time I saw the video, I was like, wow, holy shit, that's real. You know, I was just like all over it like crazy. Like, wow, I, I got to show this to G. I got to send them a link, all that other good stuff. And um, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole over the last two days over this video. And I figured what I would try to do is I would really try to debunk the shit out of it if I could. Um, also, this was taken on by uh, Ghost Nation, which I think is the new Jason Hawes group. 
So it's like yeah, Jason yeah. Hawes and Steve Gonzalez and um, the kid from Jersey, uh, Tango, right? So it's the yeah. three of them. So they did an episode on this, and they came up with the fact that it was real too. So, so like I said, I'll link to it in the show notes, and everybody can take a look at it now and pause the, the podcast, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. So if you've watched that now, I'm going to – take the time to talk you through it and have you take another look at it in the video. There's a nanny cam and it's set up on a table in the corner of the room. And the first thing in front of it is the baby's crib. So the baby is standing in the crib, holding up on, you know, to the edges of it, being very quiet, being really good. And if you look off to the right, you'll see that's where his mother and father's bed is. So the bed is over there and you will, see a flash of light in the center of the screen. And then you see a full body apparition walk from right to left and the baby sees it. You can see its eyes are on it and it's looking at it like, wow. And it just goes out of the frame. So I'll ask you to take a second look at it. And the first thing you'll notice is I went down a rabbit hole on this. I went and watched the, I went and watched the show so I could get the layout of the house, all this other good stuff. I wanted to see what the camera looked like, uh, see what kind it was. So it's a Circle 2 camera from Logitech. And if you look at the video one more time, as you're watching it, you'll notice that it's set up in the corner. And if you go to the specs on this camera, it says that it has to be kind of on the edge of a table if you're going to put it on a table, because if it has anything in front of it, it's going to screw up the focus aspect of it. So that was my first guess that say maybe something was a little bit off about this. Also, if you look on the right-hand side of the screen, you'll see that there's a TV that's on. And it quite literally is credits from a movie, and they're paused. Okay, so that was another big, big hint, right? So, like, I could get this by looking at the whole Ghost Nation episode, and I could kind of get the lay of the land, and the lay of the carriage house because it's just a little small place. And that TV is pictured there when they're talking to the the couple. So for whatever reason, these credits are on and they're paused. Now that that made me think, well, wait a minute, somebody had to pause the credits. You you would either turn the movie off, right? Or turn the TV off. You're not going to be sitting there with the with the credits paused. Another kind of a giveaway too is that the first thing you see is kind of like a flash. And to me, what it looks like is it looks like someone checking their phone. So somebody has a, an iPhone and picked it up real quick to see if anybody texted them or anything like that. Now, this full-body apparition, which you can see through, okay, because it's misty. It literally looks like a, a half-solid figure. Yeah, it does. Moves across the room. Here's the problem. Because that Logitech is set up and it's, set up back a little bit on the table. The infrared light is getting reflected from the surface of the table. And the surface of that table was marble, by the way. So you can see that in the video too, when you watch it. So if you look at the specs on that camera, it clearly says it's got to be on the edge. Can't have anything right in the way of it. Or what's going to happen is the focus feature is going to fight constantly to focus on, you know, far away, you know, real close, far away, real close, far, and you're not going to focus on anything. Also, even in perfect conditions, 
the that camera goes out about 12 to 15 feet before it starts to lose focus anyway. And the full body apparition is probably 10 to 12 feet out. The other, yeah. The other problem too, is it's the corner of the crib is right there too. And there's some plastic on that. That's got a reflective quality to it too. And you can clearly see the IR light is hitting the crib. But the final giveaway was (laughs) as the shadow moves, as this figure moves across the room, it casts a shadow on the ceiling from the light that's in the other room. Mm-hmm. So there's a light on in the other room, and as it moves, you can actually see the, the the shadow up on the ceiling. So what I think went on here was I think one of those two got up in the middle of the night maybe to go get a drink because the layout of the house, too, would mean that the direction they were headed in was towards the kitchen or the bathroom. So they either got up to go to the bathroom or up to get a drink was watching the movie, probably paused it, you know, to figure out what they were going to watch next or whatever, got up to go get a drink or, or go to the bathroom and, and then, you know, didn't realize that they actually filmed themselves. Now, yeah. Ghost, you know, Ghost Nation has done an episode on this and they say that they can't disprove the video or the, the video at all. It's not fake. It's just not video of a apparition. It's video yeah. of one of those two getting up and going across the room. But what I thought was really cool about this was if you would have asked me 36 hours ago, I would have said that's absolutely some of the best evidence caught. And that was caught back in March of 2019. So you just got to take your time and you got to go through all this stuff. And also in the process of doing all this, when I get done today, I'm looking at, I'm looking to clip the video so that I could play it for the podcast. And I see another video of a guy who debunked it and he's, dead on what i'm saying (laughs) so yeah yeah so yeah i just thought it was interesting that you know something that looks so good can be because of this low-tech nanny cam shit you know where the ir that it's it's kicking out isn't like super strong and you know the cameras themselves aren't fantastic right because they're kicking these things out you know these young couples don't have a lot of money for 500 hours for a brand new camera right so what's a nanny cam cost 50, 60, a hundred bucks. So that, you know, the quality, that's the quality you're getting. So it's def, that's definitely what's going on there, but, um, it's still hanging around out there. These people obviously didn't do this on purpose. I don't think that they intended to hoax anybody. I don't think they were. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. Honestly, I didn't know it had been debunked. I thought it was just really good footage, man. Cause I'm like, I told you before, I think all the nanny cam paranormal videos are like super just, extra strange to me because it's their nanny cams. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I, I got to think like this, this couple, they have a baby, so they're probably not getting to sleep. Oh, hell no. Yeah. You know, this required of them anyway. Right. They're not going to remember getting up in the middle of the night as many times as they do. It's it's second nature to them. Now they're, their sleep is not their priority at this point. You know, a baby is absolutely. So when you're half wandering around in the liminal state like that, yeah, maybe you're going to the bathroom or getting a drink of water, just checking on the baby here and there, yeah. uh, you know, all throughout the night. And, you know, you may wake up and not even remember. Yeah. yeah. But it's interesting, though. Why, look at that video. Go check it out. It'll be in the show notes. Look look at it. I mean, you're going to think the same thing I thought. Wow, that's really legit stuff. I mean, that's like some of the best evidence there is out there. And that 
kind of makes me wonder about some of this other surveillance video that we've gotten from outside houses and stuff like that. You know, you wonder how good these cameras are. Yeah. But I would say a majority of the uh, paranormal videos that you see these days are either those nanny cams or mostly uh, those ring cameras for your door. You know what I mean? Yes. That's been a huge thing. That you know, like regular surveillance cameras, but now everyone's got them at their own house. So right. I mean, yeah, and and you're right. I mean, the tech is getting better, but for the nanny cams, for the most part, it's it's you know low tech. Yeah, they got to keep them it's pretty low tech. Yeah, and I mean, those couples don't have a lot of money to be laying out for surveillance, you know, on their own. Exactly, it's perfect yep. for what it is. You know what I mean? All you sure. need to do is monitor that baby, and it's, it does a good job. Of yeah, you that. could see Lily, man. You could make out her hair. You could see everything on her. You know, just that. Yeah. yeah. It was fighting to focus on anything that was past that. So. Yeah, the next one I got is, uh, yeah, I know you probably don't want to talk about this one. Why? But <laughs> Why would you say that? Well, because it is kind of corny. <laughs> is it cornier than but, whale penises? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You got a point there, man. Go for you it, brother. <laughs> All right. So there was another document dump uh, in regards to ATIP, which. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's been coming. No, this is cool. I actually saw some of it. Go ahead. So, it, by all appearances, it, this, they weren't just looking at UAP phenomena. They were looking <laughs> at different, <laughs> yes, different experimental technologies like uh, anti gravity devices, uh, wormholes, invisibility, and uh, I think probably the most bizarre one. Is uh, tunneling through the moon with uh, nukes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was great. That was yeah, the best so part of it. It's it's so bizarre. I don't think the the more documents that's coming out about this is literally like taken away from the credibility of ATIP, in my opinion. But uh, but yeah, is that the point? ATIP anyway. Is exactly. that the point though? Maybe may that's be. the it point. Could be, it could be uh, strategic disinformation. Bingo. But, uh, so keep that in the back of your head. But apparently they were under the impression that there's some sort of core to the moon, which is made of a metal that's almost a hundred times lighter than steel, but as hard as steel. Yeah. Cause of the and, fact uh, that when a meteor hits it, there's a hollow sound. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. So they're like, well, we got to get this stuff for our technology. Right. Yeah, that was and, their, uh, their thought behind it. We'll go get that, that metal and we'll be able to to use it. Yep. Yeah, so they have actual requests in um, with panels and scientists where they were legit talking about nuking the moon strictly to, <laughs> strictly to get to that metal source at its core. God, we are the worst thing that ever happened to the universe. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. I mean... <laughs> The fact that somebody came up with that idea, right? Am I an expert? No, but I've seen enough sci-fi movies to know that you don't blow up the moon without there being severe consequences. I mean, there literally was there was just a movie about this. this Moonfall. uh, Yes. Yeah, my parents liked it actually. I know they've seen it, but it's out on HBO now. It just it just got dumped on HBO now this month. So yeah, I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny though, man. I mean, just the the damage we do is just unbelievable. I can't believe we're at the top of the food chain. (laughs) Yeah, so that was was a legit thing. I mean, it's documented. It came out in these uh, 
FOIA request from the advice put in. And, uh, yeah, so basically you have this the ATIP group saying, you know, forget about tides and all the important stuff the moon does. <laughs> right. We'll just nuke it because, you know, this metal is more important. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I almost didn't want to talk about that, but we have been covering – all these documents. No, no, I, I think it's, years. I think we very, we should definitely talk about it. I mean, um, like, I don't know what to think of a tip anyway. I don't know what to think of that Lou Alzando guy. I don't know if any of it's disinformation. I don't know if he's, you know, like you'll get it. UFO people can't get it out of their own way. Um, but if you get around any of them, they'll tell you that he's a patriot. He's a, He's a patriot, you know, and all that other good stuff. And then you'll have other ones that say he's a nut. You know, maybe the, the truth falls somewhere in the middle, right? Yeah. Some of this A-tip stuff that came out seems a little shaky. That that radar dude, Kevin, he seemed a little bit shaky. He seems like a seems like he's lying. I don't know. I just feel that he's lying. Well, I've already said that. Yeah, well, the whole fact my that. Take anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know why it was so. I guess look back at it now. Why was everybody so amazed that this group existed? I mean, I, like, I don't understand why everybody was so amazed by it. Like, did you honestly yeah. think that nobody, you know, like the government wasn't paying any attention to UFOs? Of course they were, you know, and probably yeah. paying a paying a lot more attention to it at a way higher level than ATIP. They're probably just satisfying Congress by, you know, having ATIP out there. Hey, exactly. we got to get Congress off our backs. We got to get this dude from Nevada off our backs, you know, let's, let's give him his $22 million and let him have his little group, you know, at a higher level, who knows what they're doing, right? DARPA. We don't know. We don't have no, we have no idea what those oh, yeah. guys are doing. I can tell you this much. None of it's, none of it's good, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, well, DARPA is, is consistent, consistent. And like, they don't get talked about enough. I don't think. No, nobody talks about but it's, it's a, it's a real thing, man. And mm -hmm. ATIP is just one program, you know? Yeah. We have two that we know about right now that are currently, you know, ongoing. We didn't have that in the past. Yeah. We just speculated the government was looking, but now we know. Well, I love people that and, run uh, around saying that there's no, you, you know, there's no hidden government. There's no, you know, deep state. The FBI shuts down both sides, right? Uh, the uh, the yeah. FBI shuts down the left as much as they shut down the right when, when we go to look into stuff. They just literally go, no, we're not going to tell you. I mean, they do it all the time. They they get away with this stuff. You know, God knows what the NSA and the CIA do. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I love people that run around thinking, you know, the government's on your side. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, at this point, there's more. It, the more that comes out is you have not only the government angle, but also, like corporation, there's, there's like corporations definitely involved Absolutely. in a certain level of secrecy to that, because it came out with uh, the other technologies that I talked about, like the invisibility cloaking, right? All that, the anti gravity thing, uh, that was mostly uh, subcontracted out through Bigelow Aerospace. Yeah, which, you know that's a whole different thing. Yeah, the invisibility thing is literally just moving light around an object. So that, yeah, but this is the guy yeah. that this is the guy that had Skinwalker Ranch, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, they have to get in bed with these these private companies because you know, God, if you were to hire government workers to do this kind of stuff, we'd still be trying to get a man on the moon. You know, I mean, they, <laughs> they have to use private contractors to, to advance this technology. You yeah, get in bed with them, and then uh, you know the lines get blurred. I mean, Eisenhower said what he said how how long ago? 
You know, I mean, it, it was probably over then when he said it. Their, their interests and our interests went in two different directions a long time ago. Specifically, when they started making themselves bunkers and places where they could go to, in case, you know, the shit hit the fan. And that's when they became elite. We'll never know half the shit that goes on. I know. Well, now you got SpaceX, right? You got Elon and SpaceX. They're getting, uh, God knows what they're doing for the government now. You know, and and what they try to do is just compartmentalize everything. Like, all right, we need this machine built and there's five technologies we need. So we'll give this company, you know, you come up with that technology. Other company, you come up with that one, you come up and then we'll put it together and make the wondrous machine. That's, that's the way they sort of kind of do it so that, you know, they don't have, anybody figuring out what's going on. Like, look at the federal budget. How much of it is just not accounted for? How much of it just is not even earmarked to go in a certain direction? No, it's, it's, yeah. who knows? I think a tip was just, a tip was just to, just to keep Harry Reid happy. You know, it's a tip of the iceberg. The moon thing was fantastic. When I read that, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you can't make it up. No, I mean, but uh, speaking of Reeds, not Harry, but Gary, uh-huh. um, he was in charge of the uh, counterintelligence, uh, security, law enforcement ops within the Department of Defense. Okay. Um, he actually just got fired. He was the one that Elizondo accused of, uh, like trying to keep a tip a secret. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So Elizondo said that he was the one that was trying to keep wraps on everything. This Gary Reed guy. Yeah. And then he gets fired. Basically. He's he was like the main villain gotcha. in Elizondo's story, dude. I have to stop you. I have to stop you and take a fucking picture of what's happening next to me right now. <laughs> what do you got going I on? I shit you not. There's probably about there's a pretty huge woman, uh huh, riding a mini bike with fucking training wheels on it. Yeah, <laughs> dirt right <laughs> I'm trying to get my camera going. She's what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> See, you're talking about ATIP and now all this crazy stuff's going on. <laughs> Who was that that talked about, oh, God, I'm trying to remember what story that was. Somebody was talking about he met with a government official and there was these people jumping out from behind bushes that looked like aliens. And he was like, did you just see that? And the guy was like, no, I didn't see it. What are you talking about? Who yeah, the hell I was that? I know what you're talking about. Yes. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, maybe that's what's going on right now. Yeah, maybe, because that was bizarre, <laughs> man. Like, that threw me off totally. Yeah, that would throw you off, that's for sure. I hope she comes back around, man, because I'm definitely taking a video of that. Yeah, it's the fat lady on a mini bike uh, race. Yeah, not no, she with nobody, dude. She's completely solo. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Fat bottom girl. But <laughs> yeah, hey, man, make the world go around. But uh, yeah, so that's it. That's that's it for my news. I got some personal news, and you got some personal news. Oh, I didn't even know you had personal news, so I'll do mine first. I have very small personal news. So every time Tracy goes away. It gets crazy in here. And it seems like it's, and it started after my mom passed away a couple of years ago. And I always tell Garrett that I had, my mom and I always had some sort of kind of like a, uh, like a Houdini deal with each other that we would try to, you know, contact each other from the other side, uh, depending upon which one went first. She went first. And ever since then, my wife's away for a couple of weeks and I'm here alone with the dog. So the second night she's gone, it's like 3.30 in the morning. 
I didn't have anything to do the next day. I had the day off. Dog and I are asleep. I get woken up. I feel like someone's like yelling my name. So I don't know if that was me coming out of sleep or whatever. So I'm not going to say that somebody definitely yelled my name. And it did sound like a female. So I get up out of bed and I come out into my little hallway. My hallway has like six doors. And those are all the bedrooms, the closets, the bathroom. And um, and then the stairs are right in front of you as you go down. So I turn to the left where I have the studio. And I have this wall of LEDs that I put on when I'm in the studio to just sort of kind of get in the mood. It's like a LED curtain. I usually have them on red and I'll just turn them on when we're recording and it kind of lets Tracy know that I'm recording and that kind of stuff so she doesn't bug me. But it's anyway, sort of like an on-air sign. yeah, but anyway, it's quarter four and they're on. They are on and I can hear the computer moving in here. Not the keyboard or anything like that, but I can hear like the computer is winding up. So I walk into the studio and there's nothing here. I go over to the remote control for the light curtain and it is sitting on top of my little table that I have, like a little support from my monitor that's my keyboard slips underneath. It's up there. So nothing's hitting it. No papers leaning on it or anything like that. Nothing. So, and it has about 40 buttons on it. So what are the chances you would push the one for on, you know, if it was a mouse or something that ran across, but literally lights are on. <laughs> so I get up, I come in here, I turn them off, go back to bed. I get very nervous when she's not here. You know, it's a, the island is during the week is kind of lonely to begin with. There's not that many people that live here full time. So I literally locked the bedroom door, went back to sleep. It was back to sleep within five minutes, but just freaked out. Got up in the morning and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So the other day, we Garrett and I had to talk about something. We were texting back and forth about something. And as he's texting me, I'm downstairs in the bathroom and I can hear, this is the middle of the day. And I tried to record it and I have a recording. You can hear the footsteps a little bit, but literally there's somebody walking around in the office. Like, and it sounds like my wife because, you know, she has like those, she'll, she won't have high heels on, but she'll have like hard heels on, you know, yeah. and she'll be walking around up here when she's at work and it sounded just like it. I mean, and I just, I was amazed. The dog was looking up, the dog was growling the whole nine yards. So that was, I think, what day was that, dude? Was it, was it maybe Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday. Yeah. So... In the middle of the day on Wednesday, and it was maybe like mid-afternoon, somebody's up here walking around, and I'm the only one in the house. So this stuff kind of, it goes on all the time here when she goes away, and I don't know if it's my mother trying <laughs> trying to screw around with me. I would hope she would do it a little bit more directly, or but it, nothing goes on when she comes home. Nothing. We, we had a couple things go on. We, we kept having this cabinet door open up. Uh, in the morning down in the kitchen we would come down and the cabinet door would be open I'm going to say that that's a possibility it could be a mouse I don't know right because it's completely open like as if somebody just pulled yeah, it open yeah. to get something out and I don't have like complicated hinges they're the original hinges that were with the house we resurfaced the cabinets so you hit them open and you gotta pull them open pretty good to get them all the way open and it was the same cabinet did it like three times in two weeks and it hasn't done it since yeah that's not a mess i don't think so but i'm going to dismiss that one and put it away because i can't prove it but 
those footsteps you, you have a day. You can't write off the, uh, the LED lights, and you can't write off the footsteps. No. And I originally I thought my neighbor might have still been here because he was here. And we have, I live in a twin, but they left on Tuesday. So then I was thinking maybe they were gone and maybe it was their dog because they have a Great Dane, right? So I'm thinking it could be a Great uh, Dane yeah, up there yeah. walking around. But they were gone. They were gone Tuesday. I texted him. I said, hey, man, you over there? And he's like, no, no, I left already. We, we They were having problems with the Wi-Fi over there, so they had to go home to work. That kind of stuff goes on all the time when she leaves. When she leaves, I'm always like, oh, God, here we go. And I was going to record yeah, that night. Every time. Every time she leaves. <laughs> yeah. I was going to record that night. I was going to take the DRO5 and record. Maybe what I'll do is I'll do that Tuesday night uh, and Wednesday night. I just... I just don't want to review the audio. <laughs> yeah, no, really yeah, what I, I your house. yeah, I'll do like 12 hours. So I'll do six hours on Tuesday night and six hours on Wednesday night. She's not coming back till like Friday, but we'll see what we can find. But yeah, creepy man, creepy, creepy yeah, stuff. Sure. So wh- sure. what did you have going on? Uh, nothing paranormal wise, but, uh, I did for the first time I have social media now. Um, dun, 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 <laughs> so you're on Twitter and, uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, and if anybody wants to follow me, I'm at underscore Moblin, like Goblin except with an M. And uh, yeah, I'm. It's it's pretty uh addictive, and there's tons <laughs> of awesome paranormal stuff, man. Yeah, but, no, uh, I'm I at, think that's what I'm I'm uh, leaning into because I can't do the politics thing on there. It's, it's yeah, too uh yeah. No, no, it's it's, too toxic, it's a great community for like UFO stuff and all that other good stuff. I'm at at Garden Wicket, so we do have we're on there. I'm. I'm on there as my name, Mike McGuire, and then it's at Guard and Wicket. So you can hit the both of us up um, if you have anything you want to check out. Actually, I'm pretty excited, man. I, I haven't spent much time on there so far. Yeah, you, I, you'll I enjoy it. Yet, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if you guys have some stories you want to pass along via Twitter, that's how you can do it. Um, just pass them to me or Mike. Yeah, we'll talk about and it. as a matter of fact, I got I a long DM us, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I got a long conversation because I put mine back up too the other day. I had just. I don't always have it on my phone and I was having problems with my phone last week. So I downloaded the app again. And when I went back on, I actually had a good conversation with Sean Wagner, who was on the show before Um, we talked back and forth and he's got his own show now. Um, I will have to link to that in the show notes too. So you guys can go check it out. A matter of fact, they just interviewed Matt Pruitt from NAWAC. So that should be a good interview. Um, Awesome. So, yeah, we got that going on. Um, and then the other thing, that the last thing that I want to talk about and want to tease a little bit is um, we are going to be doing a show on roadside memorials with the idea being that we will present the history of them because there's a pretty amazing history to them yeah. and that I'm going to go to a couple of them and do some EVP sessions at night, um, one that's very recent. Um, that keeps popping up for me. Just like, seems like every time I pass it, the person there is doing some upkeep on it. Um, I was actually there the day the accident happened too, and saw the accident take place. And I saw the memorial go up and, um, every time I'm passing by, which is a lot of times during a week, I'll probably pass this five or six times. There's all, it seems like every other time there's always somebody there doing some maintenance to it. So I'm going to do that one. And then there's a big one up in um, Ewing where I have a errand to run up in Ewing anyway, so I can kind of kill two birds with one stone. 
but the kid's name is Vivanti, and it's an amazing roadside memorial. Um, I think there's actually like a real car there. Um, they have so much stuff. There's a bench, and I think they put a car there and stuff like that. So my thought process in doing this, and I'm pretty sure Garrett's going to do one. You're going to do one on your end too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we'll do some EVP sessions, go late night. You got to go late night because you got to get the traffic down. Um, but the thought process being that those are pretty fresh sites and that the energy may be a little bit stronger, so you may probably get a little bit more action, uh, EVPs out of that. And then also, if you think about it, that you know, dropping all that stuff off there, the flowers and stuffed animals, it's a way of worship. Uh, in a way, so maybe that will attract a spirit to stick around in that spot a little bit longer. So that's the thought process behind it. So we'll be doing a road some roadside memorial show um, with some EVP sessions. Hopefully, we get some stuff. Also, telling some stories. There's some pretty cool stories about different roadside memorials, and then there's also an amazing history to it. Yeah, it's, a lot more than I a lot more than I knew. Just it's from goes back hundreds of years. It's amazing. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So, yeah, Roadside Memorial Show. Now, you don't get eaten by a grizzly bear when you're doing yours. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. They're out, man. Yeah. I've seen a couple dozen just in the past week. Yeah, they got to be hungry. and uh, Yeah, they're just waking up. And I'll stay away from the Jersey Devil on my end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm interested, man. Uh, it's going to be it's already going to be spooky. Cause like I, like you just mentioned, I'm going to have to be out there probably very early in the morning. It's probably around three, four in the morning. Right. I think they get like the best, you know, EVP session going. Cause I don't want road noise. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I have to get still the whole backstory of everything. Do you have one in mind? The one. Yeah. The one I have in mind also has some, uh, actually some already some paranormal stuff associated. Really? Cool. Yeah. So that'll be like a double whammy so I could, you know, just see what I get. Yeah. Um, I got my, I have my recorder ready to go. Um, I just need to pull the trigger on that and just find a night to do it. Yeah. The two that but I'm going to do. I'm pretty excited about this show. Yeah. It's going to be good. The two that I'm going to do, the one I think I'm definitely going to get in touch with the cops and let them know that I'm going to be there ahead of time. Well, that's another thing I'm worried about. I, I definitely don't want to just, I don't want somebody to come up on me and be like, what are you doing? Yeah, because so. they do get vandalized. Yeah, so my thought process was just to let the locals know that I'm going to be out there. You're not doing anything illegal. So, you know, there's not really much they can do. But if you let them know, they probably appreciate it. Yeah. And the other one, I don't know. I, I probably won't get the opportunity to do, to do that. Um, but I should be okay at that one. Yeah, that would be cool. And then on the uh, true crime side, we have the uh, the list murders we're going to be talking about. Yes, we we'll are. about in a future episode. Yep. Doing, so that'll be coming too. Just to follow up on that satanic panic. Yep. Doing some uh, recording work on that as we speak and then hopefully working to see if maybe we might have a really cool guest for that one. Yep. Awesome. Sounds like a show. Good shit. You can take out well dicks if you want, man. <laughs> no, man. That might, be, uh, that might be the title of the show. You never know. <laughs> the great white oh, Moby Dick. The great white Moby. penis. It should just be called Moby's Dick. Yeah, there you go. Moby's <laughs> Dick. I like it. 
Take the child, the mother leaves. He's come back and he's hunting for something. Wonder what the Jersey devil needs. Hey, hey, mama, better close your window. Take that peach pie off of the silver. That Jersey devil is not a sweet tooth, honey. Never been known to get his fill, but I thought I saw the Jersey devil up the road and around the bend. Thought I saw the Jersey devil dancing in his moccasin. Something they can finally understand But I thought I saw the Jersey Devil Up the road and around the bend Thought I saw the Jersey Devil Dancing in his moccasin Screaming, I tell you that ain't no tricky win. Telling you, man, that I heard something I don't ever want to hear again. But I thought I saw the Jersey Devil up the road and around the bend. Thought I saw the Jersey Devil dancing in his moccasin. Outside my back door But I got a ball bat in my hand And I ain't gonna fool with him no more 